Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. These are some of the most famous words of Jesus. In fact, rarely will you attend a worship service that I preside over where I don't at least mention these commandments in a prayer or something. I think that we all have like a pretty good functional understanding of what Jesus is talking about here. It's not that dense, right? Love God and love your neighbors who coincidentally, incidentally, unfortunately, however you want to label it, means everybody, even the people you don't like. But what I want to do over the course of the next four weeks is to look at some of the, the details from both of these commandments in an effort to have an honest discussion about one of the greatest crises that we face in the modern age, mental health. You're like, man, could you just talk about money again? <laughs> right? <laughs> I said I wasn't going to talk about money again, but I didn't tell you what was next. <laughs> but this series, not so conspicuously named All Your Mind, is going to take us on a, a journey through some of the most common mental health afflictions that we see in our world today and seek after a solution that allows God to do a healing work in our souls. So are you all ready to dive in? Yeah, I bet. Right. Yeah, sure. Here we go. <laughs> so Jesus says that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Essentially, what Jesus is driving at is that loving God is a full contact, full body sport. Every ounce of your being. If you read the Gospel of Mark, this particular teaching from Jesus in Mark, he adds the traditional Jewish phrasing that adds loving God with all of our strength. Now, I think that we are often really good at loving God with our hearts and with our souls and even with our strength. And that's because these are deeply rooted in our tangible experience with God. Right? Our heart and our souls are, are moved by and affected by the emotional and spiritual transformation that happens when we encounter Jesus for the first time or re-encounter God throughout our lives and our situations. 
Our strength simply means that, you know, the things that we do, right? What we do with our hands, the ways that we interact with our world, the ways that the outpouring of God's love moves through us and into the world around us. But our minds, our mind, that's often the hardest thing for us to love God with. Because the mind is tricky, even when it's functioning on all cylinders, the way that it was intended to work. Our mind is the thing that tells us not to trust our experiences of God. Our mind is the thing that tells us to doubt. Our mind is the thing that asks all those big, scary why questions about God and about human suffering. And sometimes... That suffering is something that we experience as a result of our mental health. Whether it comes to us in the form of an immediate crisis or through a slow and gradual onset, mental health is the part of our human experience that we are least likely to be honest about. Now, regardless if it's hard to be honest about it because of the social stigma or just simply an unwillingness for us to admit that our mind is our own worst enemy. Mental health is something more people suffer in silence with than any other physical ailment. But it's not supposed to be this way. See, Jesus commands us in the next line to love our neighbors as ourselves, and this is really key here. We are called to love ourselves. If we don't love ourselves, then we can't possibly love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, then what do you have to give? And a part of loving ourselves is being honest with ourselves about ourselves. To be honest with the world around us about what's going on between our ears so that we can receive help and allow others to love us and give us healing. So here's the deal. This whole sermon series comes with a disclaimer. You can sign the form later on. But uh, this, I am not a licensed mental health counselor. All right? I am not. I am a pastor. I can tell you about God's desire for your healing. I can pray with you. I can pray for you. And I can tell you that I believe in God's ability to heal you. But if you walk in that door with an open wound, I'm sending you to the hospital. If you come in here with cancer, I'm going to tell you to call an oncologist. If you come here in a mental health crisis, I'm going to pray with you. But I'm also going to tell you to go and see a doctor. Go and see a therapist. Go and get some help. Because too much harm has been done by religious leaders trying to just pray mental health away without any kind of professional follow-up. Counseling and therapy are good for you. Okay? You get it? They're good for you. You're like, well, thanks. I think. 
I promise I have more to say than just telling you to go see the doctor and take your medicine, right? Because the doctor is only a piece of the puzzle, a a vessel, an agent of God's healing that is available to you. And so today, briefly now, since we've already taken far too much time, I want to talk to you about depression. You know, when you're really down in the dumps. There's multiple different forms of depression, but a few of them are these. There's situational depression. It's actually the kind of depression that I can help you with because you're depressed because of the situations in your life, right? They stink. You've come face-to-face with loss, and you've lost hope because of it. You've, you've lost a loved one. You've lost a job. You have lost a career. You have lost your marriage. You have lost your sense of identity. You have lost anything that causes you to grieve. But then there's clinical depression, the kind of depression that's caused by chemical imbalances in your brain. I can't help you, right? There's an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness that you deal with every single day. This is the kind of depression that requires medical intervention. But the healing for both of these types of depression begins with honesty. Telling on yourself to someone you trust. Maybe me. And that opens the door to healing. But open doors don't lead anywhere unless you walk through them. You've got to walk through the door, which means taking responsibility for doing what is necessary for you to continue to heal. So before we go on, perhaps you're like, well, this isn't really something that applies to me. That's a blessing. But here's why it still should matter to you. Depression in the United States affects over 18 million adults in any given year. That's one in 10 people. Depression is the leading cause of disability for ages 15 through 44. Depression is the primary reason why someone dies of suicide about every 12 minutes, over 41,000 people a year. That's three times more than people who die of homicide. Depression affects all of us in one way or another. There's very, 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 very little chance that you don't know a single person who suffers. In August of 2014, I was on vacation with a friend, uh, sitting on a golf beach fishing, when I heard the news that one of the most influential people in my life had passed away from suicide because of depression. Now, I, I had never met the man behind the genie from Aladdin, or Mrs. Doubtfire, or, or Hook, or Dead Poets Society, among dozens of other stories. But even though Robin Williams was just a face on a screen, he was so much more to me and to so many. He was the the comic relief needed during the heavy moments of adolescence. He was a license to laugh, to forget about the world for a while. Robin Williams was comedy. But Robin... Williams long battled with depression himself. 
and for a lot of his life suffered silently. He never grew out of it. It wasn't just a phase. It never just went away. A comedian named Russell Brand penned these words in the wake of the loss of Robin Williams. He said, when someone gets to 63, I imagined, hoped, I suppose, that maturity would grant an immunity to adolescent notions of suicide. But today I read that suicide isn't exclusively a young man's game. Robin Williams, at 63, still hadn't come to terms with being Robin Williams. Is it melancholy to think that a world that Robin Williams can't live in must be broken? To tie this sad event to the overarching misery of our times, no academic would co-sign a theory in which the tumult of our fractured and unhappy planet is causing the inherently hilarious to end their lives. Though I did read that suicide among the middle-aged increased inexplicably in 1999 and has been rising ever since. Is this a condition of our era? Robin Williams could have tapped anyone in the Western world on the shoulder and told them that he felt down and they would have told him not to worry, that he was great, that they loved him. He must have known that. He must have known that his wife and kids loved him, that his mates all thought that he was great that millions of strangers the world over held him in their hearts. A hilarious stranger that we could rely on anarchically to interrupt the all-encompassing sadness of the world. But today, Robin Williams is a part of the sad narrative that we used to turn to him to disrupt. What was it that Robin Williams lacked, right? It wasn't money, it wasn't fame, it wasn't success, it wasn't a family, it wasn't adoration, and it wasn't a legacy. It was a fundamental inability to come to terms with the reality of his mental health and find some kind of hope to cling to when things got rough. And as we approach this subject on the same day that we celebrate and remember the lives of those that we have lost, we too have to face the same question. Where is our hope? Where does it come from? The Apostle Paul answers this question for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
See, our hope in human loss is in Christ and in the resurrection of the dead. And the same is true for our quest to overcome the pain of depression. We need to place our hope in something greater than the pain, something greater than the suffering, something greater than the reality of this broken world and the condition of our era, as Russell Brand would say. If we are going to love God with all our minds and love ourselves the way that God has commanded us to do so, then we need to cling deeply to the promise that things won't always be this way. That your life, that the lives of those you love, that the lives of all who suffer from depression can and will be transformed. And that that transformation begins with personal honesty and is completed by putting in the work necessary to heal. And friends, the only way that we are able to do that work is if we cling to hope and the God of hope. Hope that someday he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Hope that someday this world will be a place of peace, free of conflict like war, free of conflict like the war between our ears. That hope is the true hope of eternal life. You know, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he held a meal and he invited his friends. A meal where he would invite those who would betray him, those who would deny ever knowing him, those who would deny or forget that their hope was in the promise of Christ for three days while he lay in the tomb. He invited those friends to come to share in a meal that celebrated the hope of Israel, the freedom from captivity in Egypt and the dawning of a new covenant the freedom from sin, and the freedom to live our lives as the humans that God created us to be. And so he took bread. He broke the bread. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat, all of you. When the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to God, and he said, this is my blood, blood of the new covenant, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you gather, drink this in remembrance of me. And so, holy God, we ask that you would come and meet with us here today that you would pour out your spirit on these gifts of bread and the cup, that they would be for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we might be your body in this world, redeemed by your blood, made one for mission and ministry, to bring healing, to 
bring hope, to bring light to dark places. God, we share in this meal with the saints of the church past, present, and future. An eternal meal for eternal people made in your image. And so come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, speak in us, speak through us. We surrender ourselves to you. You are our God, and we are your people. Amen.